0: All right, all of you good citizens of Crypt Nation. It is Bryce and Pizza Mind. We've been in the studio all freaking day. Uh, you guys only get one podcast a week, but today, Pete, this is our third recording. It has been a barn burner of a day, um, but it's been fun. I mean, I'm learning a lot. How are you feeling? Are you, you holding up over there in your corner of the studio?
1: You know, I'm powered by Zip Fizz, even though I'm not sponsored by it. So I'm good. I got this one uh, left in me. And this is going to be really interesting because this is a conversation we haven't had for a while. We've been talking about all these different trends and smoke and mirrors with DeFi and interoperability. But this is one sector that has begun to fly a little bit under the radar, even though it's probably the most important. So we're going to be talking again about security tokens because... Even though uh, it's not a popular topic right now, while sushi is getting listed everywhere, <laughs> that dates when this podcast was recorded. Uh, it's definitely probably the most important thing that's happening. Uh, and maybe one of in the things lifetimes. that we all,
0: yeah, no joke. And one of the things that we always say uh, in Crypt Nation is like, you always need to be contrarian, right? You always need to look for the opportunities that nobody's talking about. And to your point, I mean, security tokens were all the all the craze you know, in 2018 in the bear market, right, in 2019, and then slowly it just kind of faded into the background, but I think that's going to change, and today we're joined by an expert in security tokens, uh, a gentleman, a scholar, uh, who goes by the name of Gunnar Jerev, a nice Estonian, strong Estonian name. Uh, Gunnar, welcome to Crypto 101 Podcast, calling in today from Hong Kong. How are we doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. And, and that was a, that was a really amazing intro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're famous for our introductions here, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we we are really excited to dive in because everybody, I mean, people are asking all the time, like you know, what is what does tokenization mean, and what does it mean to put securities on the blockchain? What all that? So we're gonna dive into that. Um, we're gonna look at the differences between cryptocurrencies and crypto securities, right? Stocks and bonds and real estate on the blockchain. So we're going to dive into that. And I hope everybody's got a notepad uh, and a pen here because there's going to be a lot of really good information that you guys are going to want to rely on and call upon here uh, as this whole trend starts to unfold into the into the middle of the, uh, the 2020s, right? I mean, this is a trend that is just now picking up steam.
1: But, uh, and, you know- Just a little bit more of the background of why Gunner is the perfect guest for this. Estonia probably has the best regulations in the world for tokenized securities. In fact, there's uh, other tokenized security platforms that are in Estonia, but Gunner is the COO of First Digital Trust. It is a company that can issue tokenized securities, and they have a bunch of really interesting products that tokenized securities need that I haven't seen exist anywhere else. So we're going to jump into that too. But before we do, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Some people are hearing about this for the very first time. Gunnar, tell us what is a tokenized security in comparison to a normal cryptocurrency?
2: Well, I think the good way to approach it is to sort of break it down into two parts. So if you look at the word tokenized security, you have the token and you have the security aspect there. So we can look at what a security is, and security is basically an investment contract um, where there is an expectation of yield or profit. And um, we can look at the other aspect, which is the token side. I mean, you know, there is uh, smart contract platforms, uh, and there is really nothing stopping anyone uh, creating that investment contract on a blockchain and putting it on a blockchain, and then reaping all the benefits that the blockchain brings, like uh, you know, faster transfers. Um, you know, uh, better operability, all of these things. Um, so security token is nothing more basically than an investment contract that has been created on a blockchain. And it might have some automation built into it, let's say in terms of distributions or in terms of permissioning. Um, but yeah, it's it's like security like any other.
0: Very, very interesting. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what kind of work you guys are doing at first Digital Trust. And maybe you could tell us a little bit. I know it it was born out of another legacy trust. Um, Mm -hmm. So tell us about the beginnings of this and what you guys are really trying to accomplish.
2: Yeah, so legacy trust is sort of uh, of our legacy. Um, Legacy Trust has been around since 92, actually. And it was mainly operating in a very traditional um, space, uh, uh, being a trustee for pension funds and providing these very traditional services. And um a few years back, um when I joined the company, um I was heading the um uh, special projects for what we call private labels department. And um later on uh, around that time um we started getting um inquiries about you know different blockchain projects. Uh back then ICOs were all the grays. And um we we started really focusing on this industry and we um you know, we looked at what are the issues back then. Security was an issue. Uh, security, as in, uh, you know, cybersecurity, tokens getting stolen. Um, you know, we, we looked at uh, really closely at custody. You know, what are what are the mechanics and regulations in terms of holding the assets? We were really the first company in Asia to push for uh, proper custody of assets, independent qualified custody. And you know, as you know now, there's so many players around the world doing that. And um, it was uh, for, for us, for Legacy, it was a very uh, young industry. We were not 100% sure whether this is going to be around in a few years. We definitely saw the potential. So that's why we built it under Legacy's brand as a sort of a separate business unit. And um, that takes us to 2019 when um, our management and our company decided that the, you know the time is ripe to spin it off into a separate business, separate company. We felt that the industry is getting uh, stronger. Uh, Business-wise, um, you know, we saw that you know uh, this business unit itself could sustain itself uh, very, very well, and um, that's the reason and that's the genesis story of First Digital Trust. It's 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 essentially a spin from from Legacy Trust Company, and at First Digital Trust, our primary focus is uh, on the infrastructure and providing services to the digital asset and crypto space uh, and the whole industry.
1: Very cool. So let's talk about that infrastructure for a, just a second, because it takes an entirely different type of infrastructure for security tokens versus just issuing some food coin on Ethereum. What are these different, play, uh, different pieces that have to be in place for security tokens?
2: Well, I mean, there is a big elephant in the room, which is the regulation. Uh, there is a lot of companies trying to do security tokens, but many of them are are not regulated and everybody sort of tries to skirt around that somehow and uh, avoid that topic or, you know, think that if they call things in a different way, you know, if they call it SDO, then all of a sudden it's not a security. But what what it really takes to, to be successful in this space is um, you have to pay, play by the rules. Uh, you have to have regulatory standing because when you're dealing with investments, uh, basically all eyes are on, you know, on the issuer. Um, so I, I would say that the regulatory standing is one of the main main things. And um, for anybody to participate in the space, uh, they need to have some sort of licensing. They need to have, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, proper proper background, and they they need to understand the security side of things uh, as well. It's it's not only about tokenization. That's why, you know, when we call it tokenized securities, you have the first part, which is tokenization, but you also have the security part, which is heavily, heavily regulated.
1: Yeah. And in addition to that, um, you know, let's say I've got some OMG coins in my Ethereum wallet and I lose the private keys. Well, who cares? I can go buy more. Mm -hmm. But if I have a token that represents ownership of my house or fractionalized ownership of a company that dividends are getting paid to. Like that that kind of thing can't get lost. You just can't have something that's not owned anymore. So you have to have a registry of who owns what so it can be recovered. There has to be KYC. So you just can't have a bunch of tokenized real estate owned by the Italian mob or the Russian mob or the Chinese mob for that matter. Uh, So there's a lot that really goes into it. So really, (laughs) the token is almost like a digital certificate. Of a stock, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. It's very much a digitalized version of the same thing that goes on from transfer agents and brokers and all kinds of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And that's just not built by Ethereum or Neo or EOS or any of these other normal smart contract platforms. It requires uh, another company that specializes in it, like first digital trust, for example.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is um, you know, this is why like trust companies are almost perfect for this, and it's it's sort of interesting because if you think about trusts, you know, these these types of arrangements go back hundreds of years, and trusts have been sort of a, almost like a relic of time for 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 a long, long time. But now, trust companies, if you look in the crypto space, you know, you have uh, Gemini in US, which is a trust company. You have uh, you know, few other trust companies in US that are really uh doing great in the crypto space you know we are in hong kong as a trust company and this is what trust companies do really i mean we hold people's assets and when you tokenize something it's a very interesting point you know you brought up like property when you tokenize a property you don't want to the token the, the company or the person that's tokenizing that property to hold the asset as well uh if you're the investor right so you want an independent party to to uh assure basically that there is something actually behind it and that, you know, the property is there, the title is being held properly. You know, if if the token issuer himself is holding the property, you know, what's stopping him from running away and, you know, flying to Bahamas and, you know, taking all the money with him. So that's, you know, that's where trust companies come in. It's not something that's new. It's been around for hundreds of years, but we're just taking it to the next level uh, with some modern technology and you know, KYC, all of these things that you mentioned, it's it's just uh, looking things from a new new angle and bringing it to the modern world.
1: Yeah, the token itself is almost like an NFT, but with a lot more security behind it. Because, I mean, I, can you imagine having uh, your, your MetaMask wallet hacked and some guy knocks on your door and is like, hi, I have uh, this NFT token now that says I own your mm-hmm. house. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> and the sheriff is like, well, he's got the token. You have to leave, sir. <laughs> no, it just wouldn't work.
2: Yeah, exactly. So and it applies for all kinds of properties, not only like real estate, but, you know, like precious metals, anything. And even if it's like an investment contract, like a security, right? So you want that independent party there uh, to fulfill that role and do to, to provide that safety. Let's put it that way. And, you know, we, we call it actually, we, we call it a separation of powers in our space. Like if you look at the traditional finance industry. You never have like asset managers holding their clients' assets. So you have custodians, you have banks. There is a whole uh, value chain or infrastructure that's in place to power modern financial space, and I, I think that's what, what the uh, security token space also also needs: is the infrastructure and the whole value chain to be in place for this to fully take off.
0: Yeah. It's funny that you, we're on this topic, and and uh, Pete, I love that uh, analogy you just came up with. But I was talking uh, with my girlfriend the other day about this saying that we heard on TV, and it was "possession is nine tenths of the law," and it what like, this whole idea that we're talking about right now is like all laws, call it ninety percent of laws, are all about enforcing. Uh, possession and saying that you have the right to this or you have the right to that. And there, you know, law and order is all around like my right to own what's mine and all that kind of stuff. So um, with a trust, uh, it, it just really shows um, that, you know, there are, you know, entire businesses around uh, securing possession and custody of assets. Um, just kind of cool. Uh, but, but beyond. You know, creating security tokens. Um, what are some other innovations you guys are really proud of that you guys are working on over at First Digital Trust?
2: So, I, I think one of the things that we're really uh, trying to push now, and we're trialing this with some of our uh, clients, is uh, a settlement network, and it's it's really a fancy way of saying uh, that uh, we allow people to transfer assets within our platform, uh, between and amongst themselves. Uh, and that's automated real-time cross uh, settlement. Um, so that's that's quite interesting because uh, it's first in Asia. Um, you've seen similar uh, networks pop up in US, like you know um, Silvergate Exchange Network or you know Signet uh, and alike. But there's really nothing in Asia, and I think this is quite interesting because in Hong Kong we can service uh, clients from all the different nations, and it really allows. Uh, transfer of assets between, you know, different, let's say, uh, clients, whether they're exchanges or OTC desks or token issuers in a more efficient way um, and locally here on, on, you know, on this side of the earth.
1: One main function and benefit of a tokenized security is it allows for fractionalized ownership.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, dating this episode, we just saw Amazon or and Tesla do a stock split. I believe it was Amazon. I know Tesla Apple. did. Apple. Apple and Tesla did a stock split. because their stocks got way too expensive for people to buy. So (laughs) if they were tokenized, you can have fractional ownership. You can buy $10 worth of a stock or, in this case, a, a security token or even less as a tokenized security. So that's really awesome. And it gets rid of this barrier to entry so anyone can have a chance to be an owner. However, U.S. law still restricts these opportunities to accredited investors people that afford can afford to buy a stock at any price. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really add any more inclusion in ter- from a U.S. citizen perspective. And furthermore, citizens of the most horribly oppressed countries that need tools to dig their way out of poverty and corruption, they're also blocked from participating due to political embargoes. Is this something that can ever change? And if so, how? How would it ever?
2: Well, I, I think... Yeah, there's two sides to it. I, I think it's actually a quite sensible things to have regulations. Otherwise, we're gonna have same thing happening. You know what was going on during the ICO days, where you just have a lot of people selling all these kinds of you know scam tokens. So regulation in that sense is good. Uh, sensible regulation is good, um, and we're all in favor for that. I think it's you know once the regulators start understanding this industry more and more, and once some bigger players start uh, issuing uh, securities as tokens. Uh, they will become more uh, commonplace and those regulations will become uh, a little bit more relaxed and probably more similar to, you know, uh, um, like, uh, you know, how uh, stocks and other kind of financial instruments are are regulated. But the flip side, it's it's quite interesting. You mentioned, you know, some of the uh, troubled nations and developing countries, all of that. I think what's really happening there is people don't care about regulations there. And, you know, they if, you know, they go out to the streets and protest, and do all of that, and protest about their government. I, I really don't think they're going to follow it. And you've seen that happening in different countries in Asia. You've seen that happening in Africa and South America. People uh, like crypto there; they they will find their way to get hands on Bitcoin. Uh, and you know, it's it's just uh, amazing how these people can get really creative to to get hands on. And I, I don't think they'll be uh, too worried about you know. What the regulation uh of the government that they probably don't even like is you know is saying and we've we've seen that happening you know like uh in in many countries
0: that's awesome can you talk about um some of the benefits of tokenizing a security and and one one of the things I'll, i'll kind of start start the discussion with is an analogy that i really like using to kind of paint the picture for everybody is real estate, right? We've seen some mm-hmm. really cool projects uh a lot of them are on Tezos right now where you know you could be the owner of for instance an Aspen resort mm-hmm. which is something that just happened. Um and instead of saying hey, we need to uh you know sell this entire resort to a singular buyer, what you can do is you could raise money through kind of more public markets and mm-hmm. say okay, well we're going to split this uh resort up into, you know, a hundred or 500 different slices, right? Of fractions. Mm -hmm. And then Bryce can buy a share of the cash flows associated with this resort. And Gunner can buy, you know, a share and pizza mine can buy a share. And now you have, you know, act like through this tokenization process, you have access to more liquidity as a seller of an asset. Mm -hmm. And as a buyer of an asset, you have access to more opportunities and you have access to that liquidity because you can say, Hey, you know, I, I want to get in and out of this uh, this market, um, you know, flip it in a day or two days or five days or whatever you want. Uh, whereas traditionally with real estate, it's just totally stuck in the mud. You know, it takes months and months and months uh, to do a deal. So, so that's one of the ones that I like to think about. But what about you? What do you think about all this?
2: Well, real estate is definitely an interesting thing because um, you know people like and people see real estate as a safe haven. And people uh, tend to understand real estate, like average investor tends to understand real estate because everybody has a house, they they kind of get the mechanics. So I think it's definitely one of the first classes that's uh, uh, going to be tokenized and is already being actually tokenized. Um, I also think precious metals are quite interesting, uh, interesting area. There are some difficulties associated with that, because in many places, precious metals are seen more as a sort of a security or investment uh, product that's very heavily regulated, but uh, there's some interesting projects going on in that space. And then after that, I think um, there's also a lot of potential for some of the more, let's say, speculative products that are not necessarily backed by assets, but by definition, there are still securities. So like different derivatives and all of that, but there's just a lot of mechanics uh, uh, and infrastructure that needs to be in place for that to happen. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned also about liquidity. I think um, one, of the, um, uh, one of the key areas that uh, needs some progress is the exchanges where these security tokens could be uh, exchanged. Um, you can tokenize things all day long, but if you don't have, uh, you know, solid markets where this could be traded, then it's, it's sort of pointless to tokenize. So we're seeing some movement also on, on that side. Um, like my prediction and I've been saying this for the past two years is that I think the first markets will pop up probably in us uh, and um, Europe or Canada uh, countries where you have a massive population and where one um, sort of company spearheads and creates an exchange that uh, you know, everybody can access. But we are also seeing some progress like in in Hong Kong, um, the SFC here just, I believe it was last week approved the first, uh, uh, first, the security token exchange license. Um, so that's uh, that's a very interesting development. Um, yeah. So the, that's these are sort of my thoughts uh, on uh, you know some of the benefits, and of course, you get the usual stuff like fractional ownership, you know, speedy transfers, built-in KYC, uh, you know, ownership records, all of that.
1: And I would also say an automatically adjusting cap table. For instance, I've bought some equities in a traditional way and, you know, mm-hmm. it's eight months later, I still don't have anything in the mail because it's such a huge pain in the ass to actually process all these things. But on blockchain, it's immediate. One other thing I want to bring up that you guys are building that I think is super cool is this Open Trust API. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of projects that I talk to that are in the tokenized security space that are trying to uh, do interoperability with APIs and stuff. And here's a secret that nobody knows. The API infrastructure in crypto is absolute dog shit. There are zero standards, no quality guidelines. It's wild, wild west, even more than the crazy prices rising and falling. Getting two APIs to work together is extremely difficult. So if you guys are building something that allows everyone using tokenized securities to follow your API standard or use this to connect a bunch of different things together, that is a huge deal. Can you give us the breakdown on how the OpenTrust API kind of works and who might be using it and how it might help security token issuers and exchanges that might be listening to this podcast right now?
2: Yeah, so um, OpenTrust APIs are basically, um, you know set of APIs that enable other companies to plug into our infrastructure for some of the key functions, for example, um, client onboarding account opening uh, because if you're issuing securities you need to have um, you know client account set up um, then there is also a bunch of reporting functions and features that we're bringing on um, it's, it's essentially a full stack of uh, uh, APIs of what a trust company does um, so that's you know it goes back to what I was saying before Is like we're taking this you know, centuries old concept and we're trying to digitize it and then uh on top of that, yes, I completely agree. APIs in the crypto space are uh, are quite horrible. So um, we are also very aware of that. We're, we're trying to build a good customer experience. Um, you know, for us, we mainly deal with B2B clients. So um, we are working with each client basically in a very sort of one-on-one way. Uh, so when uh, they decide to use our APIs or try to onboard. Um, we will assign them like a particular person that will walk them through the integration. If, you know, we, uh, discover that there's something extra that they need, we're also open to a collaborative process where we can, you know, add additional endpoints. Um, but it, it's very much a new thing for us. Uh, we are, you know, we're also, um, uh, trying to bring it to the market, but trying to make it in a way that's, uh, you know, uh, that there is proper, like quality assurance in a way, uh, in place.
0: Makes a ton, a ton of sense. Um, so Gunner, I mean, I can't believe how much time has already flown. We're already a half an hour into it. But before we let you go, um, we want to get your insight just briefly. Again, this is we don't want to get too into politics, don't uh, but it's not rock every day. Di- yeah, we don't <laughs> want to rock the boat. You know how I am. Pizza mine likes to rock the boat. I'm more of like, you know, I'll
1: sink that ship, baby.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, give let us your, the you know, sailor swim. Let the sailors swim. We don't speak to folks from Hong Kong too often. Uh, so, can you give us an update on, on freedom in Hong Kong or what the story is over there? And you know your thoughts.
2: Well, I, I think um, uh, it's it's quite a loaded question. <laughs> so I, I well, think. But let, like, let oh, me
1: rephrase <laughs> it then. Let Let me rephrase it. How is the financial business market? Uh, in Hong Kong right now is is it still healthy and thriving? Is it still the financial hub of Asia, or are you seeing any kind of shifts in the wind?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, you know the financial markets in Hong Kong are actually quite resilient and strong. Um uh, one of the interesting things, and you know when I moved to Hong Kong, uh, you know about ten years ago, uh, I discovered Hong Kong is a very business minded city. You know business comes first in Hong Kong, and everybody's all about making money. And while we had some of these, you know, disturbances, there are industries that are really heavily hit, like, you know, F&B and retail and all of that. The banks and everybody that's been operating in the digital space has been actually doing pretty good. And, you know, if we look at the financial markets, we have some interesting IPOs happening in Hong Kong. So that's that's going strong. And, um, you know, another thing that I want to maybe highlight here is, You know, due to COVID, a lot of countries like Singapore actually shut down for a while. Uh, But Hong Kong has been um, going on through this time. We haven't closed the offices. Um, You know, we've been, everybody's at work in the morning and, you know, we've been doing great in that sense. So I think Hong Kong people are very resilient. They're very hardworking and, you know, they understand that, you know, business needs to go on. So that's, you know, that's what's um, been keeping the, you know, the markets going and keeping everything, uh, keeping everything good. Of course, there's disturbances, but I I think, uh, you know, um, it's nothing that could be, you know, um, overcome.
0: Awesome. Makes a ton of sense. And we always appreciate those, uh, you know, those anecdotes from, from the real world here. So before we let you go, there's a couple of questions we like to ask every guest that comes on the show just to provide a little bit of color into who you are, what makes you tick. Um, I want to know about a person that you've met in the crypto industry specifically that has really made a tremendous impact on you for the better.
2: So maybe I'll I'll, I'll sort of rephrase your question or edit it a little bit. It's not a person that I I have met, but I I think everybody in this space, you know, um, needs to tip the hat to Satoshi in a way, you know, uh, because if whoever, I hope he's listening and whoever he is, you know, wherever in the world he is, if he wasn't there, we wouldn't be having these discussions. You know, if he wasn't there writing on discussion boards and putting together these crazy white papers, uh, back then, that was, you know, a very, um, I would a crazy idea, right? Um, we wouldn't be having these discussions and I think, you know, once in a while, we need to sort of look back and where, where all of this got started and I, I think it also show some grit and, you know, presi- uh, res- uh, persistence. Uh, and that's what we need in this space. We need projects that are uh, basically uh, here for the long term, uh, more about the vision and building out that vision instead of making maybe a quick buck. And I think, yeah, um, whoever that person is that, you know, created Bitcoin and put out that white paper, you know, uh, I'd like to have a beer with him sometime. <laughs> 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 I haven't met him yet, you, but... You- You and me
0: both, brother. That
2: would be awesome.
0: And then, lastly, uh, just a quick, you know, sentence or two. Uh, We always like to ask this question, but if this was the very first podcast that somebody who's entering into the crypto space has heard, right? Mm -hmm. What would be one word of wisdom that you would kind of want to leave them with here?
2: Um, Well, I, I think there's two things. I think one of the things is don't get too wrapped up into like trading, and you know. Uh, getting in, uh, getting rich quick schemes and all of that—that's just you know tip of the iceberg of what this whole industry is, and it's not always the most accurate representation. But also, um, um, you know, learn about different things. I, I believe hugely in the power of decentralization and, uh, you know, having uh, different microservices and different uh, smaller units that work together as a as a cohesive thing. It's it's a very powerful thing used in the right way. So. Yeah, um, it's it takes a lot of self-learning, but um, yeah, that would be my recommendation. Awesome. Yeah, guys, don't get
0: discouraged. Don't get freaked out. Don't get overwhelmed. Um, we're all still learning. This is a very, very new space and you're in the right place. I mean, you really
1: are. Unless you're trying to buy kimchi right now and driving <laughs> the price of Ethereum gas up over 600. Shame on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know what he's talking about, he is talking about some of the insane DeFi experiments that are clogging up the Ethereum network as of September 1st. Um, it has been quite interesting to watch all unfold, especially since the assets that these people are trading are named after sushi and Korean barbecue. But that's a conversation for another podcast. Mr. Gunnar Jerev. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. uh, And we hope you have an awesome rest of your day and we'll catch up with you soon.
2: Likewise, thanks for having me. It's yeah, it's been really great being on and yeah, let's catch up soon. Ciao.